Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. We'll go from there. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us. I just want to stop there and pick that up. You know, I really, as I talk to people, I really discover people have this, God's trying to hold things back or you have to convince God mentality. And that really has to change. Because we've got a God who is rich in mercy. And if you read in so many other places, he's actually rich in grace. And he's not just that, but he's actually so rich in all that that he wants to he wants to just pour it out upon us. He's not up there going, convince me. You know, my kids walk up to me and say, Dad, I need a new computer. And I will say to them, convince me. You know, if I'm in the workplace and um, someone walks up to me and says, Phil, we need a new resource, I'm going, okay, convince me. Because, you know, we have to be accountable for what we've got and so on. But God's not like that. You know that? He actually is so lavish. He's actually, he knows what you want before you even ask. And he's not up there going, I'm on a budget, let me work this out. <laughs> yeah, we laugh at that, but that's how we think, isn't it? We've got to convince God to share with us. But God doesn't have a budget. He speaks and it's there, right? And it says that he wants to lavish his goodness and his love and his blessing and his favor on us. That he makes statements like, ask and you will receive. And we go, oh yeah, well this, 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 this. You know how many times he makes that statement without qualifying it? He simply says, ask and you receive. You go through John, he says it time and time and time again. Jesus told the disciples, ask and you'll receive. And we add all these things in, oh, you need to have this, you need to have that. No, you don't. You just need to have Jesus. And you need to have faith to believe. That's all it takes. God's not up there going, oh, I can remember um, when we had our first child and we first discovered supernatural childbirth, all right, which is really strange staple because it's not really supernatural, it's just natural, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, it's normal childbirth, it's how God made childbirth to be, so really, when, you know, supernatural childbirth is about having children without pain, and I don't know if I should talk about this because I'm a guy, but I'm going to anyway. I'll, I'll be brave. Six children later, I reckon I've got some, some say, yeah? No? I just thought it was a joke that goes with that, but I'm not going there. I'll tell it when we're off air. How's that? No. Um, but, you know, it's, it's about having children without pain. That doesn't mean there's not, there's not labour around that and work around that. You know, I think Dale just compared it to doing a, an aerobic workout which sounds painful, I know, but, you know. Um, and and we're, first, we're first looking, um, we're first learning about this, you know, we're about to have our first child, and, and we're actually driving from Calgary to Esperance, and what Dar would do was she had this, this tape 
of this lady talking about it and she had these books and so this tape's playing in the car and <clears throat> she's telling the story about having supernatural childbirth and how she, when she first had a child and, and she went through and she really had to, you know, spent months going through the word and, and building her faith around the world and really getting to that point where she could believe that she could have this child without pain. And she really put in all that effort and it was, you know, months and months of putting, putting, putting in to that point. And um, so she was at a seminar talking about supernatural childbirth and she said this, this girl comes up to her who'd been saved like two weeks. And, you know, she'd been, you know, in the drug scene and she'd been, you know, she was covered in her tats and she was just this, you know, wild girl. And, um, and this girl was eight months pregnant and she's hearing about supernatural childbirth for the first time. So she's like, you know, three weeks off having her baby. And she's like about 18 and she says to this woman, you know, oh, that sounds like great. I'm going to have my baby like that. You know, I know Jesus loves me and I have this baby. And, and the older woman's thinking to herself, you know, oh, I don't know if that'll happen for you because, you know, you haven't gone through and built your faith around this. And, and you know, and she said she caught herself thinking that and going, hold on, that's not how God works. Now, she may have had to go through that journey for her own faith, but here's this young girl who... He's just like, I believe God can do it because I know what he saved me from. And she has this baby without pain. And that's how God is with us. We, you know, we have this, oh, I've got to get to my point where I've built my faith enough. And, and, I've, and it's almost like I've earned the right to come before God to receive maybe some of his goodness. And maybe he'll look my way with a little bit of favor. And in our heads, we all know that's not true. <coughs> I say in our hearts, we know that's not true. But in our heads, we're going, oh, yeah, because when we face a situation, how do you feel? When you have a need in your life, when you're struggling, maybe you're not feeling well or you've got a financial need or there's some pressure on, do we come to God with, it's okay, my father's got this? Or do we come with this sort of, oh, I've got to, you know, convince God to come on my side. I've got to convince God for the breakthrough. I've got to keep striving. Now, I'm, I'm not saying don't build your faith because we need to build our faith. You know, faith is described as a mustard seed. And with a seed, you've got to water it and fertilize it and take care of it to grow. Yeah? And faith is the same. You know, we've all received a measure of faith, the Bible tells us. But it's what we do with that faith. Faith's like a muscle. You know, if you don't ever go to the gym, then you don't ever build that muscle. But if you, you know, are diligent every day and through that consistency, you keep working that muscle, working that muscle, the muscle grows, right? Yeah? I love that winter buy-in, you know, the, yeah, but then I'm convinced, convicted that I need to get out of bed and go to the gym and it's too cold in the morning, it's the middle of winter, I don't want to do that, so if I say nothing, then I'm not really buying in, yeah. <laughs> it is cold in the morning, I'm not denying that. So I just felt that whole vibe coming through of guilt flowing around the room of, gee, I didn't go to the gym this week, or gee, I only went once this week, oh, I did half a workout, you know. 
I named my bathroom gym. That way I get to go to the gym every morning. <laughs> Me and Tracy, we're on the page, yeah. <laughs> Oh, feeling that one. Oh, dear. (laughs) All right, so getting back to the thing. What was the point of the story? Building faith, yes. So it's like building a muscle. You need to build your faith, but don't ever confuse building your faith with trying to earn favor with God. See, building your faith is about positioning yourself to receive what God has for you. Because, you know, God describes it. I mean, I love the way he describes things. You go to Malachi where he talks about the power of the person who's a tither. And he says, I'll open up the windows of heaven. And that's like, that is the same wording used of what happened back in the ark when he opened up the heavens and the water all poured out. So that's a pretty serious opening up, right? So he uses that same wording in Malachi. And he says that I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you can't contain it. And I think the issue with us receiving from God is not about God's not pouring it out. It's about we're not positioning ourselves to receive it. That we're trying to convince God to move. It's like I can remember being on the Gold Coast and talking to a bunch of young people and and we were staying up, up in this apartment and overlooking the ocean on the Gold Coast. And there are all these surfers out there having a good old surf. And there was this one guy who'd positioned himself about another 20 metres out from where everyone else was catching these waves. And they weren't really big waves, they were small ones. And he's sitting out there and you could see he was hoping for that really big wave to come, that he could get it first. And he sat there for an hour and surfed nothing. And everyone who was about 20 metres in were riding these waves in all that time for the now. Because he hadn't positioned himself for what was happening. He was trying to make something happen that just wasn't going to happen. There was no wave where he was. But everyone else had gone, this is what's happening and I'm positioning myself for what's happening. And that's how we need to be with God. We need to position ourselves with what God is doing, not try and move God to what we're doing. And that's too much of Christianity today, I think, is people trying to get God to change circumstances to suit them. That's not how God works. God says, I want to change you so that you're where I'm doing my thing. Because that's where the blessing is. That's where I'm pouring it out. And so we don't have to convince God when we're in God and walking in His way. That's why it's important to be in Him, which it says further on. (coughs) But God being rich in mercy because of His great love in which He loved us, Even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So if so far, we've done nothing. It's been all God. We've just received what he's already given. He's talking about his grace, his love, and his mercy. His great love, his great grace, and his great mercy, in fact, poured out upon us. And he's raised us up. Did we raise ourselves up? 
Did we convince him to do that? He's raised us up and done what? Seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he's taken us from our sinful, broken, distraught state. Given us his mercy where he didn't do what we deserved to happen to us. That was really bad wording, wasn't it? We didn't get what we deserved, is what I was trying to say. So he's taken us from that state. He's poured out his love, his great love into us. And then by his grace, we've been saved. Well, we've received what we don't deserve. But then he's taken us from that point and he's raised us up and he's seated us in heavenly places and placed us in himself. That we are in Christ and he is in us. That's all happened before you did anything. All you did was receive. So he's placed you under the blessing from the start of your Christian journey. Our problem is we keep walking out. Because we think, oh, this should happen, or this should happen, or that should happen. We want to see this, we want to see that. And rather than staying in Christ and letting him work through us and work that thing into being, we try and make things happen. We try and push. <clears throat> you know, right now, I'm in a really frustrating place. Because God has said to me, and he's made it really clear, unfortunately, but he, he says, I'm just placing you It's almost like I have my hands tied and he's just pouring word into me. Now that sounds really good, doesn't it? Just God pouring his word into me. But I'm one of these get up and do something people. You know, give me a vision, give me a plan, we're going to make it happen. And God's going, yeah, that's cool, but we're just going to sit for a minute. In fact, I'm just going to lay you down and I'm just going to pour word into you. Now, obviously, he has some plan down the track that I need to have that poured in because I need it for whatever's coming up. But it's really frustrating because I'm just going, well, God, here's some great opportunities. Here's a great way. You know, we could do this or we could do that. And if I step into any of that, I step out of his blessing. But when I just sit in him and him in me, He keeps pouring blessing in. He keeps pouring good stuff in. And it's like, but I'm not really doing anything. And you know what? That's actually okay with God at the moment. It's still not okay with me. I'm still working on it, I'll be honest. But God has seasons in your life. And one of the things he's teaching me is that we can't force him. We can't force his hand. We can't even force his blessing because he's already given it. All we can do is position ourselves where he's doing and where he's moving and where he's blessing. How do we position ourselves? It's really simple. You just be in him and let him be in you. It's as simple as that. We abide in him. And he abides in us. It's, it's the whole story of the vine and the branches. He says, if you abide in me, 
and I abide in you, you'll bear fruit. You know, I have this, no, I'll bless that. I have this apple tree out the back. And it sits there in my garden. It gets some water. It gets fertilized. Gets lots of sun. But it doesn't actually do anything of itself. It just sits there. And yet this amazing thing happens where it produces apples. It produces apples. Don't curse my tree. <laughs> I bless that tree. It's produced apples. Now, survival is an issue with Ben in the backyard and his soccer ball. <laughs> yeah, accurately knocks them off, but yeah. But it does. It, it doesn't do anything. The, you know, the, you've got the trunk and you've got these branches coming off it and those branches don't do anything except sit there and receive the blessing and the nutrients from the roots and from the trunk and from the sun coming in on the leaves. But the branch itself just sits there. And then this amazing thing, these apples just pop out. They don't do anything. You know, and that was the revelation I had about Adam and Eve in the garden. That, you know, part of the curse was they had to actually go and work. And I've always taught that, you know what, they, they worked beforehand. You know, I'm not saying work is bad, but you know, they worked before, before the fall. They, they worked in the garden. Do you know how they worked? They worked by speaking. They spoke and it happened. You see, the toil of their brow, earning by the sweat of their brow, was a result of the curse. You know, we were out with the kids yesterday and we were weeding a large parts of the garden because, you know, all that sun and rain and all the weeds started to come up. <coughs> and I was out there doing that thinking, yeah, this really is that whole toil thing. I don't, I'm not a big fan of this. I'm going to start speaking to my weeds and cursing them, I think, you know, because it's got to be better than going out and pulling them all. But that's how it was for Adam. He had a job, he had a responsibility, but it wasn't toil. He didn't have to earn God's favour. He didn't have to earn God's blessing. They could speak and it would happen because they were made in the image of God and that's how God works. And it goes against our culture that says, you know, I mean, even our national anthem says it, you know, wealth for toil. Toil means working hard and diligent and long hours and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't mean that you don't have responsibility. It doesn't mean that you don't go to work and you sit back and go, yeah, God, just bring it in. I'll just sit here and do nothing all day. God has a a job for you to do. You have a responsibility. He has something you were created to do. He has several things that you were created to do. But it doesn't come through toil. It comes through relationship. That as we abide in him and he abides in us, his goodness flows. We position ourselves. Because he is pouring out his goodness, we just need to position ourselves under his goodness. So let me ask you, are you trying to convince God or are you positioned? Are you like the surfer out there trying to convince God to to move his blessing and to make things happen your way? 
Are you abiding in him and him abiding in you? And so you know his heart. You see, when you're connected to God, you know his heart. When you're connected to him, you know how he thinks. When you're connected to God, he can feed that goodness into you. That's the power of the word. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get to the end of the week and I think, gee, what did I read at the start of the week? You know, did it really make any difference reading that? Has it really gone in? But as <clears throat> a wise man once said, it's a bit like eating your meal. I don't remember what I ate last Sunday for lunch. But you know what? Actually, I do remember now, but you know, I think about it. <laughs> well, I don't remember what I ate last year on Sunday for lunch. But I'm sure it benefited my body. I'm sure it put good things into me. And it got me through that day. It's the same. When you put the Word of God in, you don't have to remember everything that He tells you and everything He speaks to you and everything that you read. But as you do, as you put that in, it puts God into you and it connects you into Him. It connects you to the vine. And His goodness flows into you. And if you're going, but I'm not producing any fruit, well, maybe you need to look at your connection because the fruit comes naturally. That's why Jesus says, by their fruit, you'll know them. As you connect into God, as you let him do his stuff and rather than trying to force his hand, let him guide you, let him lead you, let him put into you, the fruit will come naturally because it comes out of that relationship with him. It comes out of that abiding in him. And I think too often we're trying to bring God down to us. We need to go up into him because he's seated us in heavenly places with him. You know, the church is focused so long about, you know, God, come, come down here, come and fill this place, come and fill us. But you know what he's saying to us? Come up here, come up into me. Step up into heaven. Come up to where I am. Because as we said many times, you got the high ground, you own the territory. That's so whenever they went into a new place, the Catholic Church used to try and get the highest place and they put their church up there. Because they worked out that if you had the high ground, you had the authority. He's got the high ground. He has the authority. And he gives it to us, but we've got to come up to where he is. That's what he's calling us. He says, I've made a way. Come into me. Step into me, and I'll come into you. Step into heavenly places, and we govern from there. So David said time and time and time again. What was that? Go into the valleys of the Lord? No. He said, come up to the mountain of the Lord. Step up into your governance in him. Step up into your authority in him. Don't be down in the trenches where everything is over you. Step up into him. And you may not feel it. You might be feeling like, oh, I'm down here and everything's over the top of me. So step up into him. How do you do it? It's really easy. You open up the Bible and you read it and you speak it. You close your eyes, you do it with your eyes open as well, and you just go, you know what? I'm in him and he's in me. 
and I'm seated in heavenly places. And just get that picture in your head of you seated in heavenly places. Use your imagination. Stop letting it beat you down and push you down. Your mind tries to, you know, that's where the devil comes. He tries to use your mind to push you down and impress it. So renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? You speak the word of God and you tell it to obey you. And you say, mind, you're a lousy master, but you're a great servant. So you can now listen to spirit because our spirit is renewed. So you speak to your mind and you tell your mind to be the servant that it needs to be and to be renewed. And you take it up into heavenly places. When you feel it being dragged down, you go, no, no, I'm going up into heavenly places. I'm in him and he's in me. And people say, oh, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. No, you're so heavenly minded, you're earth transforming. Don't lower yourself to what's happening around you. Step up into the blessing God has for you. Connect into him and let him connect into you and you'll position yourself for the blessing. You'll position yourself to the breakthrough because God's already pouring it out. We just need to get under that spell. Yeah? All right, get excited later. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. Lord, you're great. You're rich in mercy. Your great love. Your great grace that's poured out upon us. That you want your glory reflected through us. That, Lord, your blessing is just poured out constantly. Father, teach us how to be in you and you in us to step out of what is down here and into what you have for us up there. That we are seated in heavenly places. We're seated in places of authority. That, Lord, we're not under the circumstances, but we're overcomers through Jesus Christ. That we will step into all that you have for us. That you are glorified through us. That your blessing and your favor that is poured out upon us. Father, we receive that now. We receive that as sons and daughters of the Most High King. We bless you. We worship you. We honor you and we thank you that we are your sons and daughters. That we are a royal priesthood. That we are in you and you and us, Lord, that we have your grace and mercy. That sin is not a part of our life, but we are right, your righteousness. That your holiness shines through us. That we are being made in your image again. We want to thank you for these things. In Jesus' name. Amen.